I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. I remember as a kid going to Good Friday services at my local parish, and there was one song they sang every year that really got to me. Oh, this song got to me. Uh, they would repeat this line over and over again. Maybe you've heard this song at a Good Friday liturgy. It goes like this. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And they kept going on and on and on, saying the same nine words over and over again. Why can't we mix it up? Why do we keep repeating this? Well, It was only later in life when I studied this biblical text, these words that you may recall are spoken by the good thief on Good Friday, the good thief from the cross. His last words to Jesus are these words, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Well, the biblical text tells us that the good thief didn't just say it one time. He didn't just say it a couple of times that he kept repeating it. That's actually what the biblical Greek text tells us, that the good thief was saying these words, and then Jesus finally gives his response. You may remember those words, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I'm so excited for you today because we're going to get to unpack this great dramatic scene with the good thief and Jesus on the cross as we continue our journey through the seven last words of Christ, his seven last words that were spoken from the cross. And as I mentioned last week, when we looked at Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, his first of the last words, uh, I mentioned that these last words of Jesus aren't just words spoken to the individual characters there at Calvary, but Jesus intends to to speak to each of us, that he was thinking of us 2,000 years ago when he was dying on Good Friday. He was thinking of us and spoke these words so that they could be a source of encouragement for us today, for the challenges that we face today. Maybe he's inspiring us or or calling us to make a change in some way, but these words are timeless. They're, They're like his last will and testament spoken to our hearts if we're willing to listen. But I'm so excited because there's so much in this dramatic scene with the good thief that I think is it offers great rich application for our own lives. So for example, if you have a friend or a family member that's been away from the church, away from Christ, this is a scene that gives can give you great encouragement to never give up on them, to keep pleading before Jesus for them, that Jesus will remember them and they can enter into the kingdom. If you are someone that maybe you look at your life and you think, man, I've, I've done some things in my life. I've got a, I've got a very dark past. There's things I really regret, I'm really embarrassed about, know that just as Jesus forgave the good thief, he totally wants to forgive you and heal you and move on from the past and give you a great future. Uh, maybe sometimes some of us struggle with with discouragement in the Christian life. Like we we feel like we're just not good enough. We make mistakes. We, we take one step forward, but two steps back and we can fall into self-condemnation and just say, I, I'm horrible. I stink. I don't know if I can really do this. Well, this scene's going to give you great encouragement as well. We're going to unpack the rich biblical passage here uh, about the good thief and Jesus. But before I do that, I just want to give a shout out to all of my new friends in the California area or really from around the world. I was just at the great LA Congress. Uh, It's an amazing event with uh, people from all over the world coming for the world's largest religious education conference. I was there with people like Father Spitzer, Father Mike Schmitz, Bishop Barron, uh, and uh, the Word on Fire team was there, Ignatius Press, Augustine 
Institute, Servant Books, uh, so many good people there, and it was a blessing to be a part of that conference. I was also able to speak uh, one evening while I was there at Cal State Fullerton, so I want to give a shout out to the young adults and the students at Cal State Fullerton where we did a Men, Women, Mystery of Love talk on Theology of the Body. That was a great time there. Um, Before we jump into the story of the good thief. I mentioned that I I like to get some feedback from the listeners on what they got out of each episode and any questions that they may have. And I'm just going to take two quick ones here. One is from Matthew. Matthew sent me a message saying, my wife and I are going through RCIA right now and watching your introduction to the Catholic Church series. That's the the Symbolon series. Uh, And so first of all, uh, Matthew, you, to you and your wife, I'm going to pray for you all today as you're preparing to enter the church uh, coming up here at the Easter Vigil. That's wonderful. Welcome into the Catholic family. Uh, but uh, Matthew's comment was this. He says, I just started listening to your podcast and started with the most recent one. I just wanted to thank you for your hard work and your passion. The part about what forgiveness is really got to me and is helping me so much. Yeah, we last episode, we, we took a deep dive into forgiveness. Jesus' words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do and how hard that could be. But also just how, in especially in Lent, but what God wants to do in Lent is not just have us give up stuff and do a couple extra nice deeds. You know, that that's fine. But but he wants to get into our hearts. And and some of the greatest things we can give to God is a change in our heart. And one one change could be forgiving someone. Really forgiving them. Not and we talked about how that doesn't mean you have to really like being around a certain person uh, or enjoy their company. But can you in your will, in your heart, really forgive them? We're not called to like everyone, but we are called to love everyone and have compassion and understanding for their weaknesses and their sins. We'll have that compassion if we understand our own weaknesses and sins really well and how patient God is with us. So Matthew, I, I, I'm grateful to know that the podcast was helpful for you uh, in growing in forgiveness and understanding and living it this Lent. Uh, one last little uh, note here is from Estella. Estella had a question about uh, one of the biblical readings recently in the liturgy. It's a fun story and Genesis 15 about the animals that Abraham was called to offer up. And it's a strange, strange scene where God tells Abraham, take these animals, cut them up and then divide them in half and get ready. And we're going to offer them up for sacrifice. And then Abraham falls asleep, has a dream, and he sees this big fiery torch pass through the, 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 the sets of animals that were cut up in half. And, and Estella's wondering, what is the deep significance of this? What is the spiritual meaning? What is this all about? And you know, many times, Estella, we, when we read things in the Bible, I'm so thankful that you asked this question because too many Catholics don't ask questions about the Bible. They read something like this and they just go, that, that's weird. That doesn't make sense. But it doesn't have to make sense because that's Bible world. And in the Bible, things can just, you know, just be whatever they are. They don't have to make sense to us. And so you just move on and you never ask questions. So thank you, Estella, for daring to ask the question, meaning you want to understand God's word. It's a beautiful scene. It's actually all about God's faithfulness, how faithful God is. Uh, the The story is, uh, the context is Abraham's longing to have a child. He and his wife, Sarah, have not been able to have any children. And so he's begging God, God, where are you? When am I going to have a child? You promised me I'll have a child. And then God has him go through this ritual that symbolizes his faithfulness. So the animals are cut in half, 
and the fiery torch passes through the animals. What does that symbolize? Well, we know in the Bible, fire often is a symbol of God's holy presence. And so God's presence is passing through the animals and it's symbolizing how God is going. He's basic. God is basically saying, may I be like these animals cut up and torn apart if I'm not faithful to my promise to give you a child. It's kind of like little kids, you know, when they make a little, they, they do a little ritual. You ever hear kids do this? Like they'll say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. You know, it's kind of like basically, I'm really going to, I'm going to really be faithful to my promise. I, I really am going to be faithful to it. That's what God's doing here. It's a covenant oath ritual ceremony. God's saying, I am so faithful to you. I'm even willing to die for you to make my promises come true. And indeed, we know the ultimate end of the story. God does come to die for us in Jesus Christ. So let's bring it back now uh, to the the story of, of, of the climax of salvation history at the cross, the second to the last words of Jesus, where he tells the good thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. I want to break this down. I want to get the context. I want to really draw out practical insights for our lives here. So let's talk about who the good thief was. The good thief wasn't always so good. <laughs> now, of course, you know he, he had a sinful past, but you may not know the sins he was committing right there at the cross. Do you know about that? Do you know the really horrendous sins the good thief was committing on the cross? Surely the good thief was a thief, but the, the language there in the Bible is the word Greek word lestis, which means revolutionary. This is a man that used violence uh, to, to do some kind of lead some kind of uprising or some using force against Rome in some way. Uh, the Romans weren't interested in just crucifying uh, uh, somebody that pickpocketed someone on the street. No, they used crucifixion uh, against revolutionaries, people that were trying to, to rise up against Rome. So that's his past. But at Calvary, this good thief was doing something horrendous to Jesus on the cross. I don't know if you caught that before. You can read about this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 44. The context tells us that there's different groups that are jeering Christ. They're mocking Jesus. You have one group that's a group of people just passing by Calvary, and they see Jesus, and they start mocking him. Uh, they say, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And the chief priests are a second group. They join in this kind of jeering as well. And then it tells us in Matthew twenty-seven forty-four that the other people, the other criminals that were being crucified alongside Jesus, they joined the mocking also. So the good thief was mocking Christ from the cross, but I, I want you to feel the weight of what he was saying. Listen to the voices. It, it tells us that the good, the good thief, the other thief that was there, the, the other criminals were, were saying the same things that the other people were saying against Christ. Hear those words again. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Does that language sound familiar? If you are the son of God, do you know anyone else in the Bible who approached Jesus with those same words? If you are the Son of God, can you remember at the beginning of Christ's public ministry when he went out into the desert to pray and fast for 40 days? Someone came to talk to Jesus there in the desert, and that person came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. Who spoke those words? The devil. And the devil says, If you are the Son of God, just throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple here and, you know, have your angels will come and rescue you. If you are the son of God, it was the devil 
testing Jesus in the temptations in the desert. That voice of Satan is echoed by those at Calvary, the chief priests and the other criminals being crucified with Jesus. They're not just saying random words of mockery. They are echoing the voice of Satan. This is how bad the good thief was, not just a long time ago, but like an hour before he died, maybe. He is still mocking Jesus with the voice of Satan. That's really bad, my friends. But something changed. Something changed in him. We don't know what made him change. Maybe it was just watching how kind Jesus was on the cross, how Jesus said he was forgiving his enemies. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And maybe this man was just so moved by Christ's love and mercy, forgiving even his enemies. And that, that maybe that just pierced through his heart. Or maybe it was just the good thief realizing, okay, I'm approaching my own death. It's happening in, in very soon now. It could be just minutes away. And he's realizing, I need to get my life in order. I need to repent of my sins. I don't, we don't know for sure what was going on. But one thing we do know is that the Bible tells us that the, the other thief continues the mocking of Christ. But the good thief expresses the change going on in his heart. And he rebukes the other thief. And that line there, that, that's a beautiful little line I want to reflect on here. The good thief rebukes the other thief who's mocking Jesus. And remember, the, good thie- the, 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 the other criminals, they're mocking Jesus with the voice of Satan. If you are the son of God, it's as if they're echoing Satan's attacks on Christ. And so the fact that the good thief, the first step of his conversion is to rebuke the voice of Satan, to rebuke the voice, voice of Satan that's, that's being represented by the criminal, by the chief priest, by those passing by. And here's the great spiritual reflection I think we can all take away here, something very important for our own growth as children of God, is if we really want to grow in our relationship with Jesus, we want to take those next steps in our conversion, next steps in growing in virtue and in holiness, one of the things we've got to watch out for is keeping, uh, keeping guard of the thoughts that enter our mind. Do we allow good thoughts that build us up and encourage us? Or do we allow those negative thoughts that can tear us down? What are some of those negative thoughts? I'm going to tell you two things that you want to make sure you, you rebuke if you get these thoughts. Because they're not from God. It's what the devil uses to keep us from really growing in holiness. One thing is, sometimes we have thoughts of self-justification or rationalization. What do I mean by that? When when we do something wrong, and deep down we know we've done something wrong, um, we immediately just start trying to convince ourselves, well, it's not that big of a deal, right? You know, think about like in a marriage, how many times do married couples hurt each other and then, but they try to rationalize what they just did. So I, I, I say something to my wife that, that has a little edge to it, a little bit of a tone of frustration. Uh, and, 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 I, and as soon as I say it, I realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. But I immediately say, well, I start to rationalize it and go, well, 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 she started it. And if she never said that, I wouldn't have responded this way. It's her fault that I responded, you know, upset in this way. No, no. Rebuke that voice of rationalization. Own up to what you did. Be a man. Just tell your wife you're sorry and, and, and tell God you're sorry. 
Stop blaming other people. Stop rationalizing what you're doing. And, and, and if you're doing something right now, and probably most of us are here, we're all doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> you know, whatever that is. You know, again, you know, maybe it's a certain situation with a friend. Maybe it's a certain situation with one of your kids. Maybe it's a show you're watching. Something you know you shouldn't be doing. Quit justifying and rebuke those voices of rationalization and just stop doing what you're doing and tell Jesus sorry. Uh, we, we need to rebuke the voice of rationalization. But for some of us, there's another voice that also works. Uh, and it works to keep us from growing in our relationship with Christ. And that's the voice of self-condemnation. Uh, I talked about this one in a podcast last year in 2018, uh, uh, reflecting on this scene. But I want to bring it to our to our attention again here during Lent, because this is a big one that sometimes, you know, when we mess up in life, you know, whether it's I make a mistake in the office or I, you know, I did something and my boss noticed and I feel bad about it, or it could be, you know, again, I I just feel so inadequate as a parent. I'm just not doing a good job and and I just feel horrible. Or maybe there's a sin I keep falling into and I I'm not rationalizing it. I'm really trying, but it's just so hard and I just feel horrible about it. We can hear these voices in our heads of of self condemnation. You're terrible. You stink. Why did you do that? Why you're 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 a horrible husband or horrible wife or you're you'll never change. It's too hard. You know, why do you even bother? Those voices are not from God. Those voices are from the enemy, from the devil. Why do you bother praying? You're horrible at prayer. You you never get anything out of it. Stop praying. That's not from God. That's from the enemy, the devil. Who, who's called the accuser in the Bible? Satan is. Satan is the accuser. And he will use uh, self-condemnation to keep us from picking up our crosses and trying again. We fall, let's get up. Let's go to confession. Just tell God you're sorry. So what do we do? When we have these voices in our heads, again, some of us, it's going to be rationalizing. We're going to just rationalize what I'm doing. This isn't a big deal. Everybody else does it, or she started it, whatever it is, rebuke those voices. How do you rebuke voices of rationalization or self-condemnation? Just make the sign of the cross. Just say over your body, just trace the sign of the cross over your body, over your heart. Say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, when we make the sign of the cross, the demons flee. Just say the name of Jesus. Just say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this voice of self-condemnation. Or or just if you're sensing maybe I'm rationalizing something, say, Jesus, I wonder if I'm doing something wrong. I, I, I'm wondering if I'm just trying to rationalize it. I, I want to bring you into this. Call on Jesus's name. That's what the good thief does. You know, look at the story of the good thief. He rebukes, rebukes the voice of Satan there at the cross uh, from from uh, the, the, the voice of Satan that's that's being represented by the the other thief there who's, who's echoing the voice of Satan. Um, the good thief then admits his own guilt. He says... You know, Jesus is innocent. He's not done anything wrong, but we're guilty. You know, we're receiving the due reward for our deeds. He's admitting his guilt. That's a wonderful step of growth in the spiritual life. So you rebuke the evil voice, you admit your guilt, and then turn to Jesus. And this is what's so beautiful here. The good thief, he's the only person in the entirety of Scripture to, uh, to address Jesus personally by name. 
It's amazing. In all the gospel accounts, when people go up and talk to Jesus, no one ever just calls Jesus, Jesus. Uh, They call him Lord. They call him Master. Sometimes he's referred to as Jesus of Nazareth with a title or Jesus, the son of David. Uh, But no one ever calls Jesus just by his name, Jesus. So think about this. This man who was a revolutionary, a great sinner, and then who's blaspheming on the cross, mocking the Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, echoing the voice of Satan just a couple of hours or minutes ago even, this thief comes to such closeness and intimacy with Christ, calling Jesus by name. That's beautiful. Uh, and, and he's the only person on, on Calvary to explicitly come out and say, Jesus is the king. Everyone else is looking at Christ on the cross, uh, and, and most of the people there on Calvary are, 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 are just thinking, well, there's a failed Messiah. This guy is crucified by the Romans. Well, what a humiliating death. But this man sees more in Jesus than most of the people at Calvary. And he's the only one that comes out and says it. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, I believe that even though you are dying this horrendous death, you are the true king and you are about to inherit your kingdom. And I want to be alongside you. I want to be with you in your kingdom. Pope Benedict said this, that the good thief realized that Jesus, this powerless man, was the true king, the one for whom Israel was waiting. Now, the good thief wanted to be at this man's side, not only on the cross, but also in his glory. So that gives us great hope, my friends, that uh, no matter what our past may have been, we can always have moments where we turn back to Jesus. No matter what sins we may be falling into right now, All you have to do is say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Turn to him. If you have a a parent, an uncle, a grandparent, a friend, a loved one who's been away from the church for a long time, never give up hope. The, The good thief turned at the very last moment and gave himself to Christ. Never give up praying for those people. Never give up making sacrifices for them because it could bear fruit. Uh, Jesus turned the good thief to himself at the last moment. He could do it for your parent, for your grandparent, for your uncle, for your aunt, for your friend, for your roommate, whoever it is. So again, I want to hear from you. If uh, whatever you may have gotten out of this podcast, this this week's episode that's been helpful, encouraging for you, uh, challenging for you, whatever it is, I want to hear from our listeners. You could reach me on my website. You could reach me at uh, info.edwardsree at gmail.com or you can go to my website, edwardsree.com. You can also find me on social media, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or Instagram. Send me your thoughts about this week's and how uh, this week's episode, how it affected you, uh, or any questions that you may have about this or anything about the Catholic faith, and we'll take your questions in the next show. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. May God bless you this Lent.